Good afternoon, good afternoon, good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Injured Reserve Podcast with your host, me, myself, and I, Mitchell Anderson. Uh, first things first, folks, I gotta apologize for such a late, late, late episode. Uh, things just been hectic lately with school and work, you know, the whole deal. Again, I know I've apologized on numerous occasions before. It's just things get crazy and whatnot, but that's all I gotta say about that. But nonetheless, there's a lot of ground to cover. From UFC 244 to college football playoff rankings finally being revealed uh, with Ohio State being number one, uh, LSU two, Bama three, and four. I'm not sure. I can't remember the top of my head. I believe it's Penn State. So let's just jump right into it. College football, Michigan Wolverines on a roll lately. Doing, They're actually looking like a Michigan team that we should have seen in the beginning of the season. Um, you know, from the throttle beatdown they, they put on against Notre Dame. Uh, surprisingly enough, to be honest, I thought it was going to be a touchdown field goal game. Night game, prime time, you would think, CBS, you know what I mean. Uh, it's a rivalry, old school. Uh, Brian Kelly's going to bring his end game, A game as much as Jim Harbaugh is. Top 25 matchup. And, you know, Jim Harbaugh finally getting his first dub. Uh, against a top ten, top ten team opponent, uh, Notre Dame was ranked eighth. They dropped uh, below that now. Um, you know, since then Harbaugh is now two and eight against top ten opponents. And to be honest with you, uh, the last three games remaining of the season, they got Michigan State this weekend. I believe you know that would be somewhat close in the first half. Eventually, Michigan will pull away. Michigan State, this they've been surprisingly. Uh, struggling to my eyes this year um, you know they they always struggled at finding a decent quarterback that's well efficient uh, and really not a, they haven't had a really reliable co- quarterback since Kirk Cousins left um, they always had a solid running game for the most part but this year with Michigan State man I, I don't see them doing not to sound biased I know I'm a Michigan fan but from a from a different perspective, uh, you know I don't see much going for them. Then they got Indiana, so the, it, Michigan's got to be careful because you know three games left. We all know that the game of the season for Michigan that's circled every single year is Ohio State. But Ohio State doing what they do best, man, they're just a dangerous team. I mean, just absolutely, they're just. Man, they're they're kicking ass left and right. You gotta give credit where credit's due. And the Ohio State Buckeyes, without a shadow of a doubt, they are a dangerous and maniacal team. I mean, man, you look at them. Uh, they're just they're monsters. They're they're ranked sit the you know they're six overall in their offense total offense over 520 yards average and their defense. Oh my God, I mean, they're the. They're um, they're ranked number one in the nation, and what they were able to do against Wisconsin, whose defense is ranked second, what their offense was able to do to them, it's just it's you know, being a fan to to my heart and core as a Wolverine fan, I don't have a lot of confidence going into that game. Truth be told, um, you know, their te- uh, Michigan's defense ranked seventh, phenomenal. Uh, just only allowing uh, 267 yards average per game. Their offense, however, concerns me very much so. 
considering the fact that we are riding at the bottom of the barrel compared to last season where we're we were in the top 40 at least this season very i mean man they're 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 hardly you know 390 yards average on offense uh riding below kansas state just uh barely above uab ranked 83rd in the nation it's very concerning i mean you look you look on paper it's just like oof, like man i I don't know about this. Uh, you know, when they faced Notre Dame, I mean, it, their offense wasn't as, you know, uh, how can I say this? It wasn't as flashy. It didn't really stuck out so much. They're ranked 57th in the nation for their offense. And, um, you know, it's just, truth be told, uh, on paper right now, I got to give it to Ohio State winning it at all. I think it comes down to Ohio State Clemson, truth be told. Uh, Bama, there. Bama doesn't really stick out that much this year. Yeah, they, you know, they they kick ass as usual, but truth be told, I mean, they don't really face anyone till later on in the year. Uh, you know, Texas A&M, uh, perhaps, but other than that, they really have to wait on Auburn and LSU, in which they have LSU this weekend, so that'll be a true test of time, because LSU is ranked fourth when it comes to their offensive rankings. But besides that, I mean, they they Bama just got worry about LSU and uh, you know Auburn or whatever. So, but Ohio State, man, they've been they've been killing teams. It's, it's really good teams too. I mean, you, you got to get for they 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 punched Wisconsin right in the mouth. First of all, uh, the, you know, Michigan struggled with them. They lost by twenty one. Uh, 35-14 a couple weeks ago, and so it's going to be interesting how things pull out in the next upcoming final three three weeks college football. They got Rutgers, Ohio State, then they got Penn State, so and then they got Michigan. So Ohio State knows. I mean, they're they're just you know getting closer and closer. They're ranked number one in the college football rankings, but that in the last you know two out of three. It's it's gonna be tough, no doubt about it. It's gonna be tough. Um, so either way, um, Penn State they go to the horseshoe, and then Ohio State has to travel to the big house. Um, I mean, truth be told, anything can happen any given Saturday or Sunday. You know, we we didn't think Baltimore would be able to pull it out against New England. New England's defense has been a well-oiled machine this year. Bill Belichick has them in check. They've been efficient. Uh, they've been dangerous. They've been very competitive. Truth be told, we're seeing finally seeing an age where Brady's looking like 42 years old. Now, to be fair, he has lost a lot of you know key uh, counterparts, but we'll discuss that later. But as for Michigan, you know. I'm I'm proud of what they've done. I was very surprised what they did against Notre Dame. So um, it's going to be interesting. You, you know, Penn State they're 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 very they're a very uh, good team. Um, so whew, top ten battle. That's that's going to be interesting. Again, Ohio State they have to make sure not to overlook. You know, when they come to, come time to face Rutgers. But um, with that being said. Uh, Michigan, they they look great. They they look great for the past two weeks now. So they just got you know hopefully ride that wave. They're they're ranked 14th when it comes to the college football playoff rankings. 
I don't see them coming out, you know, there's no way. Uh, surprisingly enough, though, a lot of people are overlooking is Minnesota. Um, Minnesota with P.J. Fleck and what he's been able to do with that program within a two-year stint is phenomenal. Um, they just uh, extended his contract for another, I believe, five, six years going to 22, 23, whatever it may be. Um, him going from Western Michigan uh, to the Broncos, leading them to undefeated season and whatnot until they faced Wisconsin in one of the major bowl games in the BCS, to now, um, you know, Minnesota, they have a shot. If they, 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 if they can win out, you know, it could come down to Minnesota, Ohio State, or however that works out, you know, they're undefeated. They're 8-0. <laughs> so, I can't eat. People are overlooking them this season. And people haven't mentioned them and given them respect where, you know, where it's it needs to be earned. So the Golden Gophers, no doubt, man. I mean, you look at them and like I said, what P.J. Fleck has been able to do uh, within that two year period is phenomenal. Now, truth be told, they do have a big test. Uh, and again, they got Penn State and then Penn State goes to Ohio State. So Penn State, there they, you know, that's gonna be a battle. Minnesota believes that they, you know, they're undefeated. They can get in. Penn State, they're undefeated. They can, they can go to the ship as well for the Natty. Uh, then Minnesota, they got Iowa. Then they got Northwestern, and then finally Wisconsin. So Minnesota's last three out of the four is gonna be a true test of te- uh, uh, testimony. Um, but so far, they they've been they've been kicking ass, no doubt. They've had a few scares. They had they have barely beaten Georgia Southern by three, but I mean they the Big Ten they've been whooping ass. Uh, they they beat Maryland by twenty seven, uh, Maryland by forty two, Rutgers by thirty five. Um, they're they're a team that you have to acknowledge. You cannot overlook them. Uh, whatever PJ Fleck has in the water down in Minnesota, and it's. Uh, I, he's doing it right. So you got, you know, but again, these were, you know, you got to keep in mind though. These were, these were teams where, you know, they haven't, uh, haven't had a real challenge, no top 25 battle. So this is where PJ Fleck has to shine. This is where he's going to, sh- you know, are they going to show their true colors? So uh, Penn State, they've been here before. Minnesota, they haven't been on the, this large of a scale in a long time. I can't, I can't remember the last time where Minnesota was this good. But the question is, are they good? Are they, are they, are they great? Or are they just good? That's the question. So eight and zero, four games remaining, three of the last four, top twenty-five battle. That's going to be interesting how that plays out. Uh, for Michigan, you know, like I said, um, they. Yeah, I I don't see them. Uh, you know they're not gonna make the college football playoffs unless somehow, some way. But you know if you if you have one win, you'll be lucky if you get in. You damn you damn near have to be undefeated. And if you get that one loss, it has to be early in the season. Because other than that, you cannot absolutely positively cannot lose late. Because if you do, that's basically it. So if Bama loses to LSU, I mean, you got to think that, you know, how does that work out with the college football playoff committee with when only four teams get in? That's going to be a question. That's why a lot of people bargain to make it eight, uh, eight man, or excuse me, an eight team college football playoff instead of four. But with that being said, we'll see. Uh, the Big Ten East right now, um, 
who knows how it shapes up, but it could come down to Minnesota, Minnesota and Ohio State uh, in the Big Ten title game. Um, we'll see. Um, uh, Penn State eight and zero. Uh, Minnesota 8-0, Minnesota they're 5-0 they're uh, at home, 3-0 away, uh, so they're, they're, danger, uh, they're dangerous at home, so I mean, so they do have the home field advantage nonetheless, averaging 38 points a game, uh, their offense is cause for concern, come, uh, come to, for the aerial attack, oh, barely eclipsing 200 yards, about 225 give or take. Rushing yards, that's where they shine. Over 200, uh, they're dangerous on the ground. Uh, so we'll see. You know, Penn State, uh, it's been a minute since they've been in the discussion for the Natty. And, you know, they, they, it seems like they're playing with a chip on their shoulder. They, they played well against Michigan. Uh, Michigan played great in that second half when they went to Happy Valley. But nonetheless, uh, they gave up 21 points uh, fresh out the gate against Penn State. And you cannot do that, especially to a great team like the Nittany Lions at home, and which led to the demise of Michigan getting their second uh, loss of the season and cost them, you know, the college football playoffs. But either way, uh, Michigan, they're, they're dangerous at home. They're 5-0. and They've been doing their thing. Uh, so, like I said, um, uh, Michigan State has to go to the big house this year. And then um, besides that, they um, they just got to go to Indiana. And then uh, Ohio State comes to the big house for uh, the game uh, come November 30th. But, man, it seems like this year's just uh, winding down so fast. Um Michigan, as far as far as I see it, you know, they're, they're they sit at seven two. I I had um going, you know, uh, I think at best like eight and four nine wins, and uh, I mean a ten win season, you know, get that bowl win. Hopefully that'd be great. As I said before, Michigan is just a good football program, and there's nothing wrong with that. I accepted that. A lot of hardcore fans out there think you know, they still live in the glory days of the Shem Beckler era and winning the national title back in 97 when Lloyd Carr was there. But truth be told, we got to realize that if Harbaugh doesn't change up his offensive scheme, I mean, man, it, teams like Clemson and, and, and Georgia and Ohio State, they're going to be a problem. These guys are putting up huge mass numbers, uh, over 450, 500 yards a game. And we're, we, we're barely getting, you know, we're only around 390, not even getting 400 yards a game. So, and with Shea Patterson, God bless him, I like the guy, but it's just, it seems like Harbaugh plays too conservative with him. Why? I don't know, because him being a quarterback's coach and what he was able to do, you would think, you know, he'd be more versatile, uh, have more tangibles, the potential, be at all-time high his final season. But he just seems like the same quarterback for the past two years now. But who knows? Like I said, it's any given Saturday. But from uh, from a realist, uh, I got to give Ohio State the upper hand on Michigan when that time comes. So, but the la- like I said, the last three games a lot of go- a lot of things going on uh not so much for Michigan but for you know 
uh, Minnesota and Penn State and Ohio State. They they're all got got to play on a chip on their shoulder. They got to play every game like it's literally a playoff game from here on out. So, um, but either way, I mean Michigan, what they did against Notre Dame, that was a big eye opener. Um, very surprising. What Michigan's been able to do for the most part this season, uh, they you know uh, they. They they kind of they had a they had an iffy schedule you know it was it was rough you know Iowa they beat them barely Iowa's been a very underrated uh, very tough team they're ranked 18th um, so and just losing a few close calls here and there uh, Penn State you know driving that final drive dropping the ball in the end zone that was tough that was a heartbreaker um, so and then Wisconsin, they straight up, you know, we Michigan didn't come out motivated. They straight up punched Michigan in the mouth. And that Jonathan Taylor, that running back that they have, whew, as as a man amongst boys, no doubt about that. He's gonna be definitely a first rounder come the NFL draft, no doubt about that. But uh, either way, you know, three games less left of the college football season, halfway through the NFL. So, um, but yeah, uh, the NFL. Um, definitely got to discuss some parts when it comes to New England. That'll be the next topic. And right now, I'm going to take a quick little break, and you are listening to Injured Reserve Podcast. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to Injured Reserve Podcast. So as I stated uh, earlier, my uh, first topic discussing the Big Ten and the college football playoffs and, um, you know, how I was talking about any given Saturday, this and that, or any given Sunday. As I said, Baltimore uh, last Sunday or this past weekend, I think it was Sunday night. Yeah, Sunday night. if anything, upsetting New England. I, I not discredit Baltimore. They are a very good team. Uh, probably going to win the AFC North. I know, being a Steelers fan, kind of surprising. But with Pitt, with Big Ben out for the rest of the season, Mason Rudolph, we sit at 4-4, four and four, which isn't too shabby. I cannot complain. I still think Pitt still has a shot as, as a sixth seed. I don't, have, I don't believe that we'll win at all, but we'll get that sixth seed when it comes, come playoff time. So with Baltimore, Lamar Jackson, you cannot deny this kid's uh, tangibles and his potential. He has come such a long way compared to his rookie campaign last season. Whatever John Harbaugh is doing with him, it is absolutely positively working phenomenally. He has significantly changed everything. His throwing has just been off the charts. I mean, man, you look at this dude... And what he was able to do, especially against a very good defense such as New England, and the Baltimore's gonna be a problem, no doubt. And they come playoffs, if, if if Baltimore and New England meet again, you best believe they're gonna be a problem. And I get it, I know it's Bill Belichick, but this isn't, you know, Belichick usually has a number for like Mike Tomlin. This he hasn't. He you know this is John Harbaugh. This is a different kind of game. John Harbaugh, I, I would have to say his IQ is just about just as good as Bill Belichick when it comes to football knowledge. 
and just how you're able to, you know, manipulate the opponents when it comes to their offensive scheme. So Tom Brady, you know, as I said, he's starting to look like he's in his 40s. No doubt. No doubt about that. Um, Not discrediting anything that he's done before. Uh, And I know it's Tom Brady, but Tom Brady, I mean, he hasn't really shown anything that's flashed in, in anything. Um, you know, I think it does it again, it doesn't help the fact that yeah, 14 touchdowns, five picks. Uh, but his key bard, you know, just kind of, you know, 93. That's not that's that's good for other quarterbacks, but that's not the Brady that we know. It's usually around, you know, close to 100 give or take. His aver- his career is around 98. So, it's just him, it's just eh, th- that's not the Brady we know. So, him being 42 years old, uh, it doesn't help that on paper New England look dangerous. They look scary. Uh, picking up Antonio Brown early in the season before his, you know, his issues off the field, which resulted in New England releasing him. Um, Josh Gordon getting hurt, and they release him. So they they look dangerous. They had a, the wide receiver core, but now they're just down to Julian Edelman, and you know. Sony Michelle, and that's pretty much about it. They, they they don't really have any dangerous offensive uh, key assets that you know a lot of defenses have to worry about, and that showed with Baltimore. Um, you know Brady threw for 285 yards, touchdown and a pick. Um, he was sacked twice, so he, the offensive line is somewhat of a worrisome in New England. Uh, he's he's been getting touched a lot more than usual this season. Uh, so far, he's been um, been sacked around 15, 16 times, which is kind of rare. They usually have a solid offensive line. Uh, so he's uh, but for a quarterback like that getting hit that much, uh, for a man his age at 42, you can't allow that. Um, but um, either way. Uh, New England, I, th- I think there is uh, some cause for concern. Uh, you know, last season, he only got hit 21 times. Uh, so, and they're halfway through the season. He's already been sacked 15. Um, so, there's got to be a worry, cause for concern there. Um, yeah, like I said, uh, Baltimore, they look dangerous. I think they wrap up the AFC North. If Ben was, wasn't injured, I think, you know, Ben... Uh, Pittsburgh, it'd be still a toss-up. But either way, um, Baltimore did a a phenomenal job. Lamar Jackson, you cannot discredit this kid's talent. You cannot overlook him. He's not the quarterback that we knew last season. And you got to put him in the MVP uh, conversation, no doubt about that. Uh, 12 touchdowns, uh, 5 interceptions, uh, 95 QB rating. I know, uh, you know... Brady has thrown more touchdowns, but that's Brady. Like I said, there's different, you know, expectations when it comes to quarterbacks, and Lamar has has exceeded the expectations, um, which compared to Brady, in which I've repeatedly on this show called him the goat. He, you know, he's not looking like the Brady of old. Um, so, I mean, truth be told, he's really had one bad game, and that was against Pittsburgh, where they barely won by three. And so that was really the only concerning part um, for Lamar because he did throw three picks. 
and they barely, you know, at Pittsburgh, they barely escaped with the field goal. But um, truth be told, there's got to be a lot of credit uh, given to Pittsburgh's defense because um, um, Mason Rudolph, we, we don't trust him to throw the ball down the field more than 20 yards. Uh, you see guys like James Conner, who's, uh, you know, he gets a lot more receptions than usual. Um, uh, Deontay Washington, uh, Juju hasn't gotten as many targets uh, as he got last season. Uh, the defense has definitely stepped up. They And I, I think they realized that, and Tomlin uh, is able to focus on that. Uh, we have a very young defense in Pittsburgh. Uh, linebacker core, especially Bud Dupree, Devin Bush, the rookie out of Michigan. Um, who else? Uh, TJ Watt doing his thing as well. JJ Watt's little brother doing a phenomenal job in Pittsburgh. So, and picking up Minka Fitzpatrick out of Miami via, via that trade a couple weeks ago. Huge pickup. Ironically enough, him uh, intercepting Ryan Fitzpatrick twice, getting that W on Monday night. Uh, that was a big. That's that was a huge pickup for Pittsburgh. So, Pittsburgh's definitely heavy rely on their defense this year. Ironically enough, and where our defense kind of struggled the past couple seasons, and it was always having to outscore our opponent. If anything, uh, with you know the bombs to Antonio Brown and the big plays here and there in play schemes for Le'Veon Bell. That's you know those days are gone. So. Uh, we have drafted heavy the past couple of seasons when it comes to our defensive core, and it's so far it's been working. Because uh, I don't think if you know any other team had Mason Rudolph, I mean I'm not discrediting what he's done. He's done you know a solid job. He's getting the job done. He's doing in a sense kind of a um, how can I say this uh, Charlie Batch in a sense and what what he did for, for Pittsburgh. He's not gonna. Turn over the ball a lot. You know, make a few plays here and there. He has ten touchdowns, four picks, and that's that's all we can ask for for him really. Uh, but right now he has, you know, he's sitting at a three and two quarterback record. Ben got hurt the first game, and that was it. So, um, either way, um, Pitt sits at four and four. Still feels somewhat confident. Um, the division is somewhat weak. Um, as I said before, uh, I was hesitant on Cleveland. A lot of people, you know, as uh, on paper, the blueprint looked great. Um, Javon Clowney, Odell Beckham, uh, picking up in that trade. Baker Mayfield coming off a hot rookie campaign. But as I said before, Freddie Kitchens, new coach. Uh, you know, Baker Mayfield, there's always going to be a sophomore slump sometimes. I didn't say it was going to be him, but sometimes it happens. And him and Odell, and how's that chemistry going to work? And it, it shows in Cleveland. I said Cleveland's going to Cleveland. Um, you know, you, you you can't you you can't just give them the hype uh, that quick in, uh, in the off season. A lot of people are even campaigning for Baker Mayfield to be MVP. That's how that's how high the standards were. And he's not doing. I mean, six touchdowns, twelve picks. That's that's not gonna that's not gonna get the job done. And him storming off uh, the media, and it's it's just you know I think the pressure's starting to mount for him. So we'll you know, Pitt. You know, they, they the next couple of weeks I feel fairly confident in them. Um, I I do believe we uh, they can get uh, the next eight games. They can nab at least uh, six of them. So, 
but we'll see as i said before the division is weak so that's gonna definitely play a big part for pittsburgh um they just gotta travel at uh cleveland and um cincy and then they have another uh cleveland game as well at home so i believe those are three games where Pitt can grab so a couple tough ones uh, the Raiders, that's going to be iffy. Raiders are somewhat solid for the most part. Derek Carr's, you know, decent. Um, John Gruden, uh, significantly, I wouldn't say significantly, but he's done he's done a well job of turning them around compared to last season of that debacle. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how things turn out there. Um, but as for, let's see, the Detroit Lions, oof, as I said before, I know Detroit fans, but Lions, man, I I, I told everyone, everyone rides that hype train early in the season for Detroit, and they, they're they just going to debacle it. They'll pull a Dallas Cowboys, basically. Uh, Detroit's going to Detroit. The Lions are going to line. And uh, it's, it's not looking too hot for them right now. They're third in the division. Um... And uh, they're three, four, and one. At Green Bay, they're they're fresh, they're hot, they're seven and two. Even despite that upset loss against the Chargers, Vikings, they're six and three. They can possibly still uh, steal that division. They're looking solid. Uh, whatever uh, they uh, talk, they have with Kirk Cousins. He's been turning it around. He's been getting a lot of heat, though. Truth be told, because yes, he had a few games which was kind of iffy, but Kirk Cousins has been playing. He's been playing great for the most part of this season. Uh, I don't get the narrative on why he's been, uh, you know, they said they overpaid him. Perhaps uh, maybe they did when it comes to his contract. Uh, but I don't think, uh, you know, what Kirk Cousins has been, I mean, the man has 16 touchdowns and three picks. I don't know what else you want him to do this season. Uh, he had a good season last year. Um, and, I mean, he's he, 16 touchdowns, three picks. He's... And Aaron Rodgers has 17 touchdowns, two picks. So if someone can somehow elaborate to me on how, you know, these guys are damn near playing, uh, they're they're just as good as one or the other. I'm not saying Kirk Cousins has, you know, the athleticism compared to uh, Rodgers. Uh, Rodgers can throw the ball better when it comes to being under the pressure and on the, on the run. But still, truth be told, I don't think, if anything... Uh, if you're making an MVP case for Aaron Rodgers, you got to make an MVP case for Kirk Cousins, truth be told. I know it sounds blasphemy, but man, I mean, the guy's playing just as good as Aaron Rodgers. How can you not discredit that? I, I just don't get the false narrative of the media on why there's been so much hate on Kirk Cousins. And, you know, another dude that ha- that's my can't for my MVP favorite. You got to give credit to Russell Wilson, man. Over 2,500 yards passing, damn near 70% completion percentage. The Seattle seven and two. Uh, people continue. I mean, they continue to overlook the Seattle Seahawks. 22 touchdowns, one pick. The dude has done. He can't do no wrong. And I know this because I mean, I I have in my fantasy. I had Patrick Mahomes. He got hurt, and Russell Wilson was able to pick up the slack. The man had five touchdowns for me uh, last week. Uh, so, I mean, Russell Wilson, this man has damn near been playing with nobody, really. I mean, he's been making everyone else look good. So, 
they they had that OT win against uh, uh, Tampa Bay. So they, they, Seattle's dangerous this year. As you got to look out for them. Um, they're they're just uh, are somehow some way. I mean, they're they're only second in the NFC West, and that's because the San Francisco 49ers again another team that's been surprising everybody. So um, the NFC West is, for the most part is tight because uh, you got the San San Francisco 49ers. They're eight zero. Seattle seven and two. The the Rams <clears throat> they sit at five and three. Um, if anyone's gonna complain about a quarterback being overpaid, it's definitely the Los Angeles Rams and their uh, their fan base. I mean, you you give Jared Goff that large contract extension, uh, and he hasn't done squat. I I don't know what the hype or what Sean McAvee sees in Jared Goff. I really don't. And I get it. You know, you got to the Super Bowl with him, but he didn't do anything in that Super Bowl. He has eleven touchdowns and seven picks this year. Uh, so I don't see the the logic on why they would give this man such a large contract, uh, especially you know so early in the season. Um, I don't I I just I don't know. I'm really confused as to why they would give this dude uh you know a uh, hundred thirty four million dollar extension, um, hundred ten mil guaranteed. It's like I whoever Jared's uh, agent is. I mean, kudos to him. He finessed that front office because uh, the way he's been playing. I mean, I mean, this dude is. I just don't see it. Eleven touchdowns, seven picks. I, so if anyone's gonna complain about a contract and not being Kirk Cousins, you you gotta look at Jared Goff. Um, so I don't know. Um, We'll see. Um, it's just uh, the Rams, uh, they're going to be tight. It's going to be tight for them because, like, uh, like I said, that, that division, it's uh, it, right now the, the, the favorites to win the division is looking like uh, San Francisco or Seattle. It's between those two. Um, as for Dallas, um, you know, he, they're 5-3. They're, they're sitting at the top of the NFC East. But as I said, for Detroit... The Cowboys are gonna cowboy. They're an accident waiting to happen. They're five and three. They're in the first place. But congrats. Uh, they they celebrate as if they won the Super Bowl against the Giants on Monday night. The Giants are two and seven. Daniel Jones, their quarterback, has become a turnover machine. The Redskins, they're one and eight. I didn't even know they were even playing this year. Two. Uh, the Eagles, they're five and four. They're somewhat iffy, but they're not the Eagles that we know of. Um, <clears throat> Uh, Doug Peterson seems like ever since that Super Bowl win, they've been kind of, I don't know, just not that Super Bowl team that we knew uh, a couple years, uh, two years ago. Uh, Carson Wentz, he's injury prone, but for the most part, he has done uh, a swell job there. 15, 15 touchdowns, four picks. Um, but the, the question is, uh, can he stay healthy? They should have, they should have kept Nick Falk. I've, I've been saying this, <clears throat> but. Uh, that's that's just my opinion. Um, either way, I mean Dallas, the, the fans, uh, the fan base is just they're so you know they're so just blind by just the early or midseason hype. They're, you're five and three, you're five and three, and you guys you, you haven't beaten anyone. Uh, I mean, you you look at their schedule. Uh, they beaten the Giants twice now. <clears throat> um, 
They beaten the Redskins. They beaten the Dolphins. Uh, they fell to the Saints, who which the Saints are also solid. Uh, that's with Teddy Bridgewater, that was starting quarterback. They lost twelve to ten, um, and then they lost to Green Bay, and then they even, they even lost the the you know the miserable Jets. Uh, I'll give them the Philly dub. That's the only win. So out of those eight games, I'll give them the Philly win. They throttled them thirty-seven to ten. But besides that, I mean, there's really no the out of those five wins, nothing really impressed me. Uh, those those wins that they got, they should have won. Uh, they should have beat uh, the Saints. They should have beat the Jets. I mean, th- those are you know those those are two huge games right there. Uh, that you know they 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 should be at least. I mean, looking at Dallas's roster, they should be at least seven and one easily. Um, but uh, you know, like I said, the Cowboys are an accident waiting to happen. Now they got the Vikings Sunday night. Uh, going against Kirk Cousins, and we'll see, you know, Dak Prescott, he, we'll see what kind of Dak Prescott that shows up, because he's, problem with him is um, he's, with Dak, it's, I, I like the guy, but uh, is he going to show up or not? Uh, 15 touchdowns, 8 picks, um, you know, there's a game well where he, I, I, with him, you just don't know. You don't know what, what kind of Dak is going to be playing. Um, so it's just, I don't know. With him, I, he wants that big contract, and I, he, whatever it was, I can't remember. It's like 60 mil guaranteed. He's not playing like that 60 mil guaranteed. So that's his, his, his case for that. He's got to start playing like this. Uh, he's got to start throwing two, three touchdowns, no turnovers a game if he wants to make a case for receiving a big uh, bonus and guaranteed money contract. But uh, I don't think that's going to happen because uh, it's just with Dallas, who knows? And if Zeke isn't going off, then the rest of that offense struggles because that offense is built for Ezekiel Elliott. They got that. They got that line for him. So again, uh, Dallas fans. Chill out. I get it. You're five and three. Feel free. You know, enjoy it. But remember, the teams that you beat are all under 500. Are all gonna be in the top ten uh, when said and done when it comes to the uh, next year's draft. Uh, they're in a rebuilding stage, especially Miami. Uh, Miami beat the Jets, and you guys lost to the Jets. <laughs> so, you know, just uh, put that in. You know, put that on your pen and paper. Uh, review it. So, but uh, either way, uh, I'm going to take a quick little break, uh, discuss a little bit of UFC 244, break down the the Jorge Masvidal and uh, Nate Diaz, and you are listening to Injured Reserve Podcast. Welcome back to Injured Reserve Podcast. So this past weekend at UFC 244, uh, the main event, uh, Jorge Masvidal versus Nate Diaz battling for the BMF, aka the Bad Motherfucker title, uh, which was pretty cool in how the promo and had how they set that up with uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson coming out with the title, 
him promoting it, this and that. It was pretty sweet to see. Um, to be told, my, I was pulling for Nate Diaz. I thought, you know, with him, with Nate Diaz, uh, what people don't know about Nate Diaz is that his chin is just phenomenal. It's it's like made out of iron. And Jorge, he's 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 known to be a slugger I, ever since his days back in YouTube days uh, during the Kimball Slice era. God rest his soul. Uh, but Jorge, he's been on a hot streak. He wants uh, he wants that uh, division title at the 170 pounds. Um, uh, hey, truth be told, I mean you gotta give credit, uh, Jorge. He he out. He was just uh, outboxing Nate Diaz, and Nate Diaz is known to be uh, a, a good boxer. Uh, he he did it against Conor McGregor. Uh, so, you know, the thing is, a lot of people want to discuss and say there's some controversy at the end because they stopped the fight at, after the third round, and there's a big cut, Nate Diaz. Um, there's there's going to be a yes and no to this kind of answer, and I'll let y'all decide. Um so uh, the fourth and fifth rounds, no doubt about it. When it comes to Nate Diaz, those are pivotal for him in his career. They he always shines in the fourth and fifth rounds. Uh, truth be told, is because his endurance and his cardio is just out of this world. Uh, it, it's just like the man never gets tired. Uh, during uh, his off days, he would he he would train for like marathons and triathlons or whatever you want to call it. This dude is just. He never gets tired. Um, and you you look at the dude and just lengthy, not a lot of muscle, and it kind of makes a lot of sense. But he's technical. That's what makes him dangerous. He's technical. He's flexible. Uh, he's very versatile, and that's what Nate Diaz uh, in he he's made uh, uh, a living off. Uh, not only that, but just his trash talking. He's fun. He's entertaining. Just just like uh, his brother Nick was. So. Um, uh, did it? Did I want to see the fight go to a fourth round? Absolutely. Um, was it was it wrong for them to call the fight after the third round because of the cut and you know Nate Diaz, uh, his eye was so swollen. I don't think that they were in the wrong. I think it was the right decision. Uh, they you know at the end of the day you want to look out for these fighters and their safety and their well being. Um, or hey you know you, you uh, cheers to him. Uh, Got to give credit to the man. He's been on a roll ever since. Um, whatever he's been doing, he's been ver- working very hard uh, for what he's trying to accomplish in the UFC. Um, and he's just, uh, you know, he's 35 and 13, a lot of experience. Uh, 34 years of age, turns 35 actually uh, this month of November. Um, hasn't, hasn't lost, uh, his last loss was against, uh, Stephen Thompson by decision <clears throat> back in November 2017. So two years ago, but ever since then, uh, man, he's been on a tear He's knocking out Darren Till, uh, knocked out Ben Askren, who at the time was undefeated and now a doctor stoppage, uh, technical knockout Nate Diaz. So you got to think you got to give this man a title shot for, uh, uh, the welterweight, um, you know, he had a shot uh, when he, he was on a three-win streak at the time back in 2016. Um, and then, you know, uh, he knocked out Donald Cowboy Cerrone. And then uh, he lost a, by split decision, a close fight against Damian Maya back in May of 2017 for, you know, the welterweight uh, title eliminator. So, 
now here we back are again and i you gotta think um i think it's uh you know you gotta give the man his title shot three fights i feel like you know it's at least a requirement uh to give uh some credit there so but right now uh they're waiting on uh to unify that title between colby covington and kamara usman for the welterweight um so right now uh we'll see how that turns out colby covington and Kamara uh, Usman, very well experienced fighters, very good. <clears throat> Kamara Usman recently beat Tyron Woodley back in March for the welterweight championship. Done a phenomenal job there. And uh, Kobe Covington again. Uh, Kamara is fifteen and one. Kobe Covington again another phenomenal fighter. Uh, he's 15, 15 and one as well. So he beat Robbie Lauer. Uh, he won the welterweight title uh, against Rafael de Sanos back in June of 2018. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, their fight uh, should be coming up pretty soon. I know they're unifying the title soon. Uh, I believe, yep, it's announced for UFC 245. So that is, in fact, uh, in about five weeks from now. Uh, so... That should be that should be interesting. So hopefully, at, between those two, hopefully, between the winner of Kamara and Kobe, we see one of those two men face up against Jorge Masvidal, rightfully so, and um, we'll be able to see that headline next between those two against Masvidal. So, but uh, either way, um, it's gonna be interesting to see um, Kamara. I think a lot of people might want to favor Kobe, considering the fact that Kobe is a trash talker, and there is somewhat of a history between him and Masvidal because they used to train at the same camp. So perhaps that might be the more preferable match, but who knows? But uh, either way, uh, to summer summarize it all up. Jorge did a phenomenal job against Nate Diaz. Uh, Nate Diaz uh, did want a rematch, but recently, as of today, he announced that he doesn't want the rematch, and he said, you know, fuck the UFC, I'm done. So maybe this is him saying he's re- uh, announcing retirement, I guess. Who knows? Um, but uh, either way, um, it doesn't sound like we're going to get that rematch that we all wanted now. But uh, either way, Jorge Masvidal, winner of the main card at UFC 244, Third round TKO against Nate Diaz. Uh, Got to give the cap off to him. But with that being said, I appreciate y'all listening in. Again, I apologize for such a long delay in my episodes. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to be as consistent as I can. But <clears throat> until next time, y'all have a good day. God bless. And this is Enter Reserve Podcast.